It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's crumbelievable. It's crumbelievable. Oh man, that's what like was that for what? 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 What product was that? That, that was um. New craft crumbles. Good. They're crumbelievable. Oh, okay, sure. I don't remember that. I just you said that, and like I started like the Philadelphia legend gears in my head started going because we had a mayor who call who got called out for being a total piece of shit because he was a total piece of shit. Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo. Rizzo the rat. He was <laughs> a fucking rat. He called a guy a crumbum. So I'm thinking about <laughs> your crumbelievable, crumbum, believable. You know what's a fun one to throw around is uh is Fink. Oh, like a rat fink? You're rat fink. Well, rat fink's kind of been co-opted by rat fink and by That's uh, true. speedboat rat fink ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really kind of co-opted the entire idea of being a rat fink. Yeah. But calling someone a fink, that's just what you call somebody who talks to cops. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. A fink. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Learned all kinds of stuff. Finks. And then, yeah, inform on to the authorities. You think, because you're, well, you're a rat fink. You're a rat, which is something, you know, yeah. like the thing that was the cl- a classic. I love Crumbum. It's one of the insults that, like, Hank and Dean call people on Venture Brothers. It feels very, <laughs> very of its age. It's a very 70s vibe. Kevin, you were just telling us before the podcast recorded that I want to bring into Goosebuds about um, bone music. Bone music, which I thought at first was like, oh, you know, like Isaac Hayes and. <laughs> <laughs> That sort of thing. Oh, no, it's different. Bone music's not not just sexy music. Yeah, bone music. Uh, okay, so this, I think, was... This was maybe, like, a 99% Invisible episode, or it was, like, one oh, of the first, like, podcasts man. I, like, ever listened to. But it was about pirate uh, vinyl, essentially. So in Soviet Russia, folks would take, like, old x-rays from hospitals and stuff and they turned them into uh, vinyl records so that so they could listen to illegal music like Elvis and stuff. Yeah, like I was that. just gonna say that like I didn't realize this was the aspect of it, but it is a way. It was a black market to smuggle in banned music. Yeah. So because so there's some question because what the material of the X-ray is it's either vinyl. vinyl or oh it is vinyl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Didn't and know that. It's not. Fi- I don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But I don't know what it's, <laughs> I don't know what the X-rays in Soviet Russia were made of. But. Uh, you can make a record out of chocolate because it's just like, what are the grooves uh, cut in? Like, you can make a record out of dang near anything. You make a record out of wood. Huh, man. I, this this goes back to where I just think vinyls are just dark magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's cool that it's a physical sort of thing. Well, I mean, CDs are kind of the same. It's just instead of like physical grooves, it's like light grooves. Laser right? grooves. Yeah. Which is even cooler. I guess. I guess that's all. It all it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I this idea to, to to bone music when you explained it, I was like, oh, I thought they're like people are smuggling in the music like encoded on their bones, which which also would have been cool. It's funny because Kevin said bone music, and I was like, did people? Because we were what were we talking about right before that? We we're talking about the illicit uh, vinyl groups, right? And yeah. and I was like, hold on, do people have like? Do people like steal bones and make xylophones out of them? Like I was expecting you to go down <laughs> to some pretty wild places or like little like bone boxes, like a music Besides box. skeletons who have parties in general, that's <laughs> a lot of their music is made out of bones. Oh, that's, that's yeah, that's that is uh, that skeleton culture. But mm-hmm. bone music in general, like there is no uncool way to think of that phrase. You know, whatever you think of when you first hear the phrase bone music, you're right. It, yeah, it's a, it's whatever sick idea you have in your head. And I don't mean gross. <laughs> I mean, awesome idea you have in your head is right. The names of bone music. If you Google bone music and you go to the Wikipedia page that comes up ribs, music yeah. on ribs, jazz on bones, 
Bones or bone music, all <laughs> fucking incredible. Yeah, some of these like artists that they list on the Wikipedia, like Elvis, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Beach Boys, Al Fitzgerald, Chubby Checker, like timeless stuff. But like thinking about it being illegal or whatever, like it being transgressive when it was transgressive in America. Uh, yeah. all, all the all these bands were transgressive sure. in America, but as you know millennials many years removed from that we forget they probably i'm assuming that in russia they didn't have the freedom to to be this you know choose about it but i wonder if they're like well certain genres of these illegal recordings need to be on certain x-rays you know what i mean like hmm. like hmm. Nine, like nine inch nails that's a rib cage sure that's a rib cage x-ray. <laughs> okay ska that's that's I, your feet i don't know if the soviet union and nine inch nails had much uh had much overlap <laughs> But there was probably someone who was like, God, I gotta get this in there. I just I just heard I just heard the perfect drug for the first time. I gotta get it in there. Oh, you also mean in terms of decades. I just realized they weren't around at the same time. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I like to believe that the that bone music is still being made for nine inch nails. I like to believe that they only allowed their music to be printed on bone music. Uh, the, yeah. the bone music platform. Yeah, I just want to shout out uh, the the few uh, people who are listening to our podcast on, on a bone music <laughs> record on a, on an X ray. You know, I think that's cool. What would the Goosebuds illegal pressing yeah be on? It would be on a X ray of <laughs> like oh, what's our bone? What's our bone? You're you're asking. I, I think it's a laughing skull, but maybe that's too obvious. I think it would be on a shredded up copy of Return to Ghost Camp, but with like resin to make it a record. Ooh. Ooh, that'd be cool. Oh, you know, okay, I got it. The most 90s thing it could be. Uh, it's cut into the leftover uh, Goosebumps slammers that were definitely made yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> we're on the back yeah. side of it. There's an episode gr- engraved into the back of them. I'd love, I was thinking, I was thinking Giant Pogs too, Paul, so I'm totally on board with you. Yeah. yeah I, well, I was thinking regular Pogs, and you have to have like 300 of them to listen to a single episode of Goosebuds. Looking up if there have ever been any Goosebumps things pressed to vinyl. There has to be. Well. Do you think the theme song made it to vinyl? The original motion picture <laughs> soundtrack for the first Goosebumps movie with Jack Black is, is apparently sure, sure. On vinyl. But like, is there a '90s era? Yeah, like a uh, music from the TV show, the best of Canadian backing tracks. Here's my question: Did the I can't remember? We've watched the movie twice now. Did they use? I think I watched the movie three or four times. Did did they use the Goosebumps theme in the Goosebumps movie? I don't, I don't believe they did because Danny Elfman did the score for it, and he probably and he, wanted to do his own oh thing. yeah, he wanted his own theme. He wasn't about to be trumped by that beautiful, beautiful theme. Bum, 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 bum. It's real. It's really good. It's great. Uh, I'll say it. It's greater than anything John Williams has ever written. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I said it. I mean, has John Williams done anything as iconic in his few notes? How about that? Nah, that's a great question. No, and I, I think none. I, I wouldn't even bother to smuggle that his music into the. USSR. I would only do that song. Has uh, has has Johnny ever added a dog as an instrument to his music? That's the question. He doesn't have the vision, you know. Welcome to Goosebuds. Uh oh, it's Goosebuds. I'm Kevin. I'm Chad. I'm Paul. And we all definitely read this book. We that today <laughs> is a day where all of us have done the homework. <laughs> Some of us will bear the scars of this homework for the rest of our lives. <laughs> this was a, a Kevin said it in our chat before we recorded. We try not to talk about the book before we get on here, but the, you know, I had to say it was a stinker. Uh, and Kevin said it. You said it best. This one hurt. Yeah, this was um, 
This was painful, but I can't blame RL for this one because he definitely didn't write it. So. You don't think so? I think he. I think he one hundred percent wrote it. Interesting. I'm excited to discuss hmm. our theories. I, as I also read this book and and feel the emotional scars of this book, as you do, my <laughs> brethren. I also suffered alongside you. Uh, I don't think RL wrote this book. Okay, I'll bring up a few points of why I don't think RL. Did this one? He probably did a pass on it, did an editing pass, but mm-hmm. there are a few things that seem like calling cards for another author in here uh, that seem like RL wouldn't do. Okay. I don't have an author in mind. I just, there's some stylistic choices that are nowhere else in the other Goosebumps. Okay, that's books true. I've read, so. Yeah, this is a, this one makes some bold departures from the normal uh, format of it, uh, of a Goosebumps <laughs> book. I will say, though, that, and maybe, maybe, Kevin, to your point, uh, I think there are, a co- there are quite a few. RL hallmarks in this one, but they're used in such an ostentatious way that I think, yeah. I think maybe, maybe you could be right that they, they might've been just plucked out and put in there, you know, like they might've just been put in there on purpose to, to try and, to try and sell the effect, you know? I, I know some people were excited for me to read this one because it deals with a card-based tabletop RPG. Oh, you mean I, I missed out on a tabletop story? I mean, I totally read this book. Chad, <laughs> you you might have remembered this was definitely uh, RL's take on Magic the Gathering and, and Dungeons and & Dragons. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's so bad, Chad. It's so terrible. Apart from the imagery, which is pretty... It's also pretty bad, but in a... It weird and interesting and legally distinct sort of way. It has enough creativity that you're like, kind of, like it could have been fun. He just, it, there was so much fodder. There was so much to work from and work with. <laughs> and he chose not to. He just, is simply, it just explaining the rules of this game for half the book? Of course not. <laughs> the rules are incredibly loose. I don't even know if he has rules. Before we even jump into the plot, I guess we can explain part of the game. The game is, uh, it, it seems to be more of the board game variety and less of a tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's no real, there's no real dungeon master or game master or host or whatever. Um, all the actions are done via a combination of rolling four six-sided dice Mm-hmm. And also consulting cards from four different decks. Mm-hmm. The character deck, the power deck, the action deck, and the fate deck. I could see hmm. this being developed into a, a board game. And maybe even a, a a tabletop RPG with like some guided like DM storytelling type stuff. But um, not the version that's presented here. Not really. Although I will say that one of the best named characters RL has come up with, Kyle Boots, the character named Kyle Boots in this episode, uh, in this book, <laughs> does indeed do a little bit of guiding because he does in their first game of play of the game, which the yeah. game is called. The book we're reading today is Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid. Which be Afraid, be, be Very Afraid. Sorry, that is the book. We should have said a very that clear title for a Goosebumps story. You look at your fucking podcast app for the You title. know what it is. You, yeah. You guys know. <laughs> You're already there. But I just open up my phone and start smashing buttons and I'm like, I'm like, oh cool, a podcast. Listen to this now. <laughs> I love I love your life roulette that you live, your entertainment roulette that yeah. you live, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> be afraid, be very afraid is also the uh the tagline to the fly, the David Cronenberg movie. This has nothing to do with the fly. It has ze- there are what well, there are bugs in the in the book, and they do play a okay. part, uh, a very stupid part. Um <laughs> uh, but uh, the the book is called Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid, and the game itself is called Be Afraid. It uh <laughs> that's the name of the card that's game an in awful the world. Name for a- game the, the title has nothing to do with anything no. going on here 
Um, excellent cover art. Tim, excellent Tim Jacobus cover art with a cool dragon on the front. Yeah. Does this, does this dragon show up? Yes. Yeah, actually. It does not have a name in the book, but apparently, uh, according to oh. the Goosebumps wiki, uh, that dragon's name is Sparkles. <laughs> What? Why? <laughs> uh, that's well, I mean, technically that dragon's name should be Emily, but I guess that's fine, too. <sighs> uh, <laughs> yes, it should. Uh, well, hold on. Actually, you're right, Kevin, but she does do a swap with it because that's a thing in the rules. Yeah. Uh, so at one yeah, point she... it was Emily, and then maybe she swapped with Sparkles, uh, who was a, who is a goth now. I just want to say I probably would have loved this book if, if I was like a 12-year-old kid when it, when it came out, or if I had read it as a 12-year-old or whatever. I think so too, yeah. Because I also watched Yu-Gi-Oh! And this is about as hinged as a Yu-Gi-Oh! episode. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, because I, I definitely, as someone who also watched Yu-Gi-Oh! Pretty, pretty religiously, I was really into that show. Like, I realized the card game mechanics don't actually work how they do in the show. All I know is that I'm very good at Yu-Gi-Oh! The card game, having played it on a video game one time and been very good at it. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I rock at that. I, I should be in that world. Can I share a, a slightly embarrassing Yu-Gi-Oh! story? Sure. On my old computer, I used to, used to. I really wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh because the anime had hooked me, but I couldn't find any versions of the real game. So I downloaded a bootleg, a bootleg Yu-Gi-Oh game where someone had modded one of the Japanese versions to English, but they like didn't get the card art. Uh huh. So all the cards literally had like stick figures drawn. That sounds fun for all the card, and it made this. It made it so fucking funny to be drawn, and then like I summoned Blue as my dragon, and it was just kind of like a little squiggle of a worm. Uh huh. <laughs> And that being the power card that laid down, uh, I have some very strong emotional attachments to that version. There was of an era of internet where stick figures were kind of the hot rage. Yeah, oh, yeah. There was yeah. a multitude of great flash uh, animations that were purely stick figure based. Oh yeah, stick figure fights. Yeah, yeah. But so we're talking about this because this is the connection to the book. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Is that there's a board game that is not as cool as Yu-Gi-Oh! Or not as cool as it's, anything the Super Dragon. Chad trying to talk about the book. I know, read. I know. It's so adorable. I, I just want to refresh. You know what it is, guys? I, I, I hit my head right before I turned on the mic and I forgot what the book, what happened in the book. And I would love you to remind me. Yeah. Where am I? Who am I? Chad, feel free to ask us any questions to clarify what's going on. We're going to go some places, but we'll try and let you know what this book was about. So Kay. at the end of this, you'll feel like you don't have to read it. Maybe we'll all have figured out what this book was about by the end of this episode i'm in the shadow realm save me so connor buckley is a hyperactive young man he's annoying he likes to go fast he's so annoying and he's just like i do not like it when a book has an annoying character and like you're just it's like supposed to be like fun and endearing that they're annoying because it never ever is it's very rare i don't like it when a book makes a promise to me and then lies Okay, what was the promise? Let's hear the promise. <laughs> what was the promise? The first line of book is, my name is Connor Buckley and I'm the king of evil. Yeah, <laughs> he never got back to that. He never becomes the king of evil. He becomes a king, never <laughs> the king of, of evil. That's kind of a cool intro line. That's like kind of, <laughs> yeah. it was the best of times, it was the worst of times versus, my name is Connor Buckley and I'm the king of evil. That kind of fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, really strong start, <laughs> never gets there, never like accomplishes that promise. He makes a promise. And it, and he never he never makes good on it. He's the real being a real crumb bum about this. Throws out some terms like uh, like role playing game and card game, telling us about be afraid. These are the types of things that make me made me really angry as a kid. I, Kevin, I'm with you. I probably would have loved certain aspects of this. 
uh, because yeah. it's a, it was just loose enough, and there were enough empty spaces for my imagination to make the game cooler, right? Yeah. But I, here's what I would have pissed me off about this, and it's exactly what we talked about at the start here. This ostensibly is set up as sort of a Magic the Gathering type game, uh, but then it s- swerves into a Dungeons and Dragons type thing, and then you realize when when that happens, when a when a thing like because. Magic is a beautiful game that's been around for 30 years. Yeah, that's why they call it the beautiful game. It's the beautiful game. And it's <laughs> it's it's fully fleshed out enough to easily be adapted into a book. You could do everything uh, with the mechanics. It has game. been. It has. Yeah. And RL, if he had known enough about Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons separately, could have used either of those games to make a beautiful story about a beautiful <laughs> game. But he doesn't know enough about either of them, so he just takes the pieces that maybe he has looked at uh, as his kids were playing the game before him, and he was sort of ignoring them, but maybe just being like, oh, I'll just mine this for money. <laughs> I think RL would have called it a board game if he had written this. He would have said board game out loud. Okay. Uh, and he, he wouldn't have bothered to learn tabletop role-playing game or competitive card game or whatever okay he wouldn't have bothered he wouldn't have cared he would have made it about what he knew about it It would be like it's Candyland, right if rl did a mm. haunted game thing mm-hmm. he would have yeah. done Candyland. we covered something similar before where again i don't think it was he wrote it but that was that story on the tv show of they get sucked into a board game right they're like miniaturized and they're on this big giant board game and i recall right the rules were very arbitrary in that one as well don't worry i'm googling it the Haunted House game TV episode. I don't think I've seen this episode. I swore we've covered it on the podcast, but now I don't know what's nope, real anymore. We did, do this. we did do this. I'm looking at the pictures of it. I remember the game. Yeah, this one, uh, I think, really sucked. I remember. It's it's based on the Haunted House game, which is from Even More Tales to Give You Goosebumps. So I believe we... Yeah, it was like a short story yes. expanded, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what your point, Chad, was that there have been board games brought to life, is what you're saying. In Goosebumps, but also, if I recall, now I don't know what's real anymore, Mm -hmm. but it was that that there was a lack of love for the pa- the media uh, medium of board games and tabletop in Goosebumps already. Well, because let's be let's be fair. Uh, board games freaking stunk for a really long time. They were boring, and they were ways to kill time with all of your family members while you were at the shore when it was raining. That was pretty much the only use for a board game for a while. I can think of only two board games that if anyone asked me to play, I would say yes. What are the games? Wingspan, which is a game about bird watching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or birding, as they prefer to call it. It's a, bir- it's a, it's a birding adjacent game. Yep. Brilliant. It's wonderfully designed. I love playing it. Wingspan's great. And the Battlestar Galactica board game. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's that's the only ones. Yeah, and I've never watched Battlestar Galactica. Kevin, we gotta get you on that. I've watched the first episode and I was bored. You gotta watch it again. Yeah. It's good. You gotta watch a dominant boxing ring episode. You're gonna cry. Um, <laughs> we've we've covered we've covered this before. That I, I know, haven't seen Battlestar I know, Galactica. I know. Yet. Kevin, have you heard of this game? It's really really good. It's a really funny party game to play with friends. I think you'll like it. It's called Cards Against Humanity. It's pretty funny. <laughs> You don't have to be funny because the game is funny for you. In in college, I was so grateful for Cards Against Humanity because it replaced apples to apples. Oh my goodness, uh-huh. yeah, yep. For whatever reason, anywhere I went, everyone was like, let's play apples to apples. And I was like, I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't want to. I hate this. I can feel my body dying all around me. My sister and I had a good conversation about board games a while ago because we were we we were both friends 
with a, a lot of nerds. And my sister was like, I won't play board games anymore because I've reached my limit on men explaining things to me. And <laughs> I think that's valid. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. ultimately, it's usually a dude bringing his games over and having to explain to you how they work. Yeah. Me having been that dude, I, I've done it. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's a lot. I have a lot of, I have a few friends who like obsessively collect complicated board games and I enjoy the occasional ones. Shout out to the best one, Betrayal at House on the Hill. I do love that but, one. That one's that one's sick. But most of the time I'll go to a board game night. It's four hours at least. By the end of the game, I finally understand the game. And I'm like, well, now I want to play, but also I never want to play this game. By the end of the game, when you're in no position to win the game, you finally understand the game. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, I would have been interested to see how that mechanic works now with this other one. But, well, I guess I'll just never play this ever again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to amend what I said. Uh, There are only two board games that I'd play. I will play a board game with a person because I'd love to actually like board games, even though I don't. But uh, I, I think if someone was like, I really want you to play this board game with me, I'm like, all right, you'll have to treat me as hostile. Like, you'll have to <laughs> understand that my brain doesn't want this. But uh, I, I'm willing to play this board game with you. But, like, just keep in mind, I don't do this for fun. <laughs> right. Well, they do in this book. Connor Buckley is about to play this game for fun. The The yeah. rules are explained in a way. That it seems as if there are almost no rules, or the rules are made up uh, in the moment um, by the uh, Kyle Boots character, the uh, game master of this game. So this this game begins with Connor Buckley, who was bored. Uh, it's summertime. He's hanging out with his friend Emily Zinman, uh, and yep. they decide to go to a yard sale down the street at Mean Mister Zarwid's house. And you know, this starts promisingly enough. There's some good end of summer vibes here. Yeah. Kids being bored mm. feels pretty close to like an end of summer experience. I was much more anxious at the end of summer. Yeah, uh, I was not bored and restless. <laughs> I was I was trying to fit in every activity possible. Yeah, my freedom is slipping away from me. Yep. This will be the last summer I ever have. Someday. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, they might make school year round next year. Yeah, which would be better in general. Uh, for for kids because I feel like that was a threat that they held over our heads my entire time as a child. I mean, we shouldn't have summer vacation. It's, pr- it's proof that it makes kids stupider, but also like it's probably one of the better memories of being a child in America for most kids. How how else are you gonna like have a time where you get to go out on the train tracks and find a dead body with your friends? Yeah, I don't know. Watch the Adam ruins everything about school. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so Mr. Zarwin, who I'm sure is a very tasteful, based on the art on the wiki, I'm assuming is a that, very tasteful. That's not depiction. what he looks like. That, that is that, not at all what he looks like. I don't know where yeah. that art, that artwork comes from. It's uh, from Goosebumps Horror Town, the game. They did not read the book. They got it bumped on the head. <laughs> Mr. Zarwin has uh, a big white, he looks like Merlin from Sword in the Stone. Yeah. He's got like a big Ooh. white beard and a mus- and like a mustache that sticks out perpendicular to his beard. He wears a sleeveless t-shirt with his big beer belly poking out underneath it. He looks cool as shit. This guy, sounds, this guy rocks, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Mr. Zarwin's having a having a, a rummage sale, on a, you know, he's having a garage sale. And, a rummage uh, sale? I don't know. I just pulled that word rummage out. Rummage sale? You never heard I of don't a like rummage sale? Because that, that's like just come over and just fuck over all my shit. Like I know I'm trying to give it away, but rummage is just rum around in my stuff. Just rum, guys. Is he named Mister Mister Zarwood because it's wizard with yeah. letters respelled? Yeah, God you did it, it, Chad. You, you did it. <laughs> you you solved the puzzle of the book, Chad. <laughs> you did read this book. Your your memories are coming I, back. I told to you. you I read this book. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're just having a rummage. Uh, <laughs> so I rummaged around the letters. I solved his secret. So Mr. Zarwood's a grouch and he's mean. And when the kids are at the yard sale, uh, he accuses them of trying to steal something. And right. they say, we haven't stolen anything. And they run away. But guess what? Connor did steal something because he was accused of stealing something. So he might as well steal at that point, which is kind of, you know, it's fucked up. But also, like, kind of makes sense. If you're going to be accused of the crime, you might as well just commit it at that point. Well, if right? he's the king of evil. He's not. Well, that's his first step towards it. If he wants to be, you got to steal things. That's true. You do have to start small. You have to do small evils to begin. Uh, and he does a small evil. He steals a pack of cards that says, be afraid on the box. He looks at a few of them and he says, whoa, awesome graphics. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. It's a cool moment uh, of misunderstanding <laughs> everything about child culture, uh, which this whole book does. In the 90s, whenever you saw anything cool, you'd say awesome graphics. Awesome graphics. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, then the best character of the entire book, a Chad Quant character, kicks in the door. Kyle Boots is here. Kyle Boots. <laughs> Uh, he's a massive 11-year-old. His claim to fame is that his voice changed when he was 11, and he's got a deep, booming voice. Yeah, that's kind of what my whole thing was. Yeah. Everybody's high school had the kid whose voice changed before everybody else's did, and then that kid became the PA announcer for the morning announcements. Because he <laughs> I was also the PA announcer. That's what I'm saying. You were, the, you were the kid whose voice changed, and they were like, well, you got a voice for radio, baby. Get up there. I was just unnaturally big for my age, and so they just gave me obligations an adult would have. Uh, yep, that, and that's fine. That doesn't do any damage to it, John. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Boots pops in. Instantly sees the Be Afraid cards and is like, oh, because I'm big, I hang out with bigger kids. And they have been playing this game called Be Afraid. And he knows how to play. So he yep. busts out the cards. He breaks them into the four piles of types. Character, power, action, and, and fate. fate. And but there's also a board game. No. no. So uh, he says, we'll need four die. And, he, and so Connor goes into the... Uh, other room and digs out all the die from the different games. Oh God, never! They're never gonna go back to the right board games. Makes me incredibly upset uh, to hear that. <laughs> and then he brings them back in and they sit down and they begin to play the game. And so uh, he says to Connor, "Pick a character card. Start." And he grabs a card and um, he pulls the king card. And this is the first step in becoming the king of evil. Yeah. And Emily pulls a card and she grabs the goth card. And according, according to this world, this universe, goth, proper noun, refers to a goth is a mutant sorcerer. Mutant sorcerer. What? But the... but. Okay, but like the term goth didn't originally start with like goth that comes from goth that comes from like old barbarians and stuff, right? Like in, in this world, Chad, in this world, a goth is a mutant sorcerer. Okay, cool, sure, fine. You must accept it. I wish I was fucking with you. I wish she just like all her clothes turned black or whatever. But uh, a goth is a mutant sorcerer in the world. In this world, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing Fariza Bulk still in my mind. Yeah. Spoiler alert, a Jumanji scenario ensues and we see all these magical creatures, but we never actually see a goth. And a goth is not further described beyond a mutant sorcerer. So it could be whatever you want. And, Kevin, something that you love is not done in this book. Surprisingly, no kid's clothes or uh, physical appearances 
are described in this book. Uh, uh, another mark against this being another RL. mark against this being an RL <laughs> book. Better for the better for the book, probably. Kids instead have personality traits and uh, and I guess like uh, wants and needs and desires instead. So she can she can look however you want, Chad. So you're you're okay. Okay. And Kyle pulls the Krell card, and Krells I I wrote in my notes are just knife dwarves. Yeah, knife dwarves. Huh. With, knife dwarves with pig noses. Yeah, yeah. They got like pig nose, and I think they have like three fingered talon hands or something like that yeah they're not up front not described too detailed but they are described later in the book as as three-fingered i believe they have tusks as well yeah they're knife dwarves okay kind of sound like a zelda character creature yeah yeah a a little bit and i'm down for this so far like this isn't so bad honestly they're the creatures that he comes up with are kind of sick and he comes he has he has a pretty flushed out menagerie of characters in this yeah, there are mords and jekylls and uh, other creatures, dragons, wizards, elves. Yeah, it's cool. And by this point, like creatures, the, the game has Jumanji. Not yet, not yet, not yet. It actually starts as a subtle Jumanji because when they turn over, so like for, then they roll for power points, which means they roll uh, four d six and uh, they get a hundred times whatever they roll. Which I'm like, okay, here's game design <laughs> tip number one. <laughs> Smaller numbers are better if you're using a human processing unit, like a computer, (laughs) like make the numbers whatever makes sense, but also probably still keep the numbers small so that a human can process it. Right. Unless like you're like Disgaea or whatever. And big big number means better game, Kevin. I don't. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you joke about that. (laughs) Points of damage versus 5,000 points of damage? One card sounds better than the other, Kevin. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being, I'm just, I'm just attacking you right I get now. a nosebleed every time I read a Yu-Gi-Oh card. There's a lot of zeros <laughs> on those cards. I agree. So they flip over the first action card or whatever. Maybe it's a fate card. I forget. I believe it is an action card. Yes. Yeah, it's an action card. And lightning bolt, it's a lightning bolt. And uh, none of the cards have descriptor text on them, by the way. All of them have just graphics on them, which is kind of cool. Like, huh. Actually, Kevin, it's odd. I was trying to figure out, because this whole time, you know, like I'm imagining, trying to imagine the rules of this magic card game. It is described that there are two sides to the cards and their descriptions are on the back. So there is no neutral face on any of these cards. Wow. That makes no sense. Zero <laughs> sense. I don't know how it works, but that is how they're described. You have to close your eyes when you're drawing the cards. It's just trust system. It's a trust you system, just have yeah. to. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could keep the cards in the box, or you could have them in like some kind of like half open sort of thing, like they like they do for Trivial Pursuit or whatever. I think the game the game wants the cards kept in the box for good reason, Kevin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also, by the way, just to clarify, there was there was a this is like a boot. Originally, they didn't steal the game. He stole like a booster pack. Okay, so here's here's the fucking wild part about this, and it, it it only grows more wild as the story goes along, and not for good reasons. The game Be Afraid is known by Kyle Boots as a game that exists in the world that other teenage players have played, right? Okay. And and this part is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So he found a deck of Be Afraid cards. Kyle recognizes them as a, I think he even says they're rare or he's like, what What deck did you get? I think or something. Uh, along yeah. Those yeah. I, I don't remember if he comments on it or not, but like essentially there are hundreds of different be afraid decks and they're sort of treated. It's not a collectible card game. Really. It's not a randomized pack. It's a, it's more like a splat book for D and D. Like it's like one 
uh, <laughs> so it's like one be afraid scenario is in the deck. I went to the um to the book and I, I just pulled up the moment where so uh, Kyle uh, he's presented the cards to which mm-hmm. he says it's a role playing game you know evil kings and knights and dragons and stuff lots of battles magic sorcery there are hundreds of different decks kids collect them he grabbed the cards from my hand let's see which one you got then we get a, a beautiful fake out where he goes oh no I don't believe it to which we have to. Uh, hold our breath as we go to the next chapter. Connor says, Kyle, what? What's wrong? And he says, gotcha. And then he never explains uh, what the deck was or, you know, any of that stuff. So we're just left uh, to uh, live in mystery for the rest of the book about what the hell's going on with this single deck of cards that we have. Which makes me assume that the author had no idea what they really intended to do with the fact that there were tons of these Be Afraid cards out in the world. I, or maybe he did have an idea, but the more into it he got, RL was like, cut this shit out. <laughs> Kids don't care about this stuff. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know. The way I imagine it is there's like, be afraid, like, you know, uh, Knights and Dragons edition, be afraid, like, space, be afraid, dark sun, be like, Mm -hmm. Ember world, yeah. Ember world, um, you know, Scrunglo town, all of this, (laughs) the Krell update. (laughs) <laughs> well so he pulls the first card and we've got our first experience of what this game does and he pulls the lightning card and a bolt of lightning flashes and then an actual creepy imagery occurs ha- here where the bolt of lightning flashes and in the window uh connor sees a face with glowing yellow eyes cool peering through the window yeah so that's the third thing that happens the lightning happens and then they flip over a black card and they see the power goes out then the power goes out. They light a candle. So they see Zarwid in the window. And he's like, hey, did you steal my deck of cards? And they're like, no. <laughs> he's like, you better not have, because you better not have. And he just sinks out of frame again. Yeah, he just walks away. And then they all laugh, and they're like, stupid Mr. Zarwid, we did steal the cards. What an idiot. And then they go on playing in the dark. They like light some candles and stuff. Playing... Magic the Gathering by Candlelight, super fun, super cool. Yeah, it's what it's what '90s parents are most afraid of that you're going to play Magic the Gathering and actually, this is what they they're worried, right? You'll play that game, and then you'll accidentally summon a, de- a demon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you couldn't have written this one in the '90s because the Satanic Panic was still so close. Right. This is the this is about 2000. I think this one came out, and I think this is an irresponsible move on whoever wrote its part to uh, to, to potentially dredge back up the satanic panic. I don't like the idea of it. <laughs> but like a, a dragon shows up, they summon some. They summon knights. So now here's where Kyle starts to GM a little bit, and he's kind of seemingly being like, I think he even says like, I get to make up the rules. It's okay. Like, well, I'll do whatever. Yeah. And it it's seemingly happening at ra- happening at random. But it, they seem to be playing the game, and all they've all agreed. They've all bought in on whatever make believe they've they've agreed upon. It, it's sure. it, it's coming together for them. It seemed it's seemingly happening. So they're summoning krells and and knights and uh emily summons a dragon and then pulls the reverso card and becomes the dragon yeah uh okay before the reverso dragon we hear all of this commotion we hear the the lightning bolt we hear we hear like some like screaming and stuff when like uh they summon knights or whatever but it's all audio uh, which is cool. Like it's kind of like the it's kind of like Jumanji crossed with the Dungeons and Dragons episode of Community. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We're like they're just sitting around a candlelit table, but we hear the sounds. But they also hear the sounds, and they're like, "What the hell's going on outside?" Uh, 
And they accidentally summon a dwarf creature who goes, I'm free, and then runs away, <laughs> and they all see him. And it's not a fake out. It's not a dream or anything. They, like, actually summon this dwarf. Yeah, in fact, it's the end of, I believe it's the end of a chapter, and I was just like, oh, my God, here, who's, who, like, whose little brother is this going to be, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah, the, the, the fake out is, then the most gross, disgusting creature I've ever seen came down the stairs. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be a little brother or something like, like that. It's not. <laughs> it's an actual dwarf. They were They freaked us out on the fake out they faked out our fake out that was a cool moment and I, for a brief brief moment i believed hey maybe this book's gonna be good because that was because we actually got a good fake a good fake out and then it goes right back to kind of doing the same old stuff that they that they always do we get the real elf escape <laughs> yeah they stop playing the game for a bit i believe to chase him right they chase him outside yeah we see and we see the carnage that has been wrought their neighbor's house is destroyed because they tried to destroy a neighboring castle or like uh connor sieged a neighboring castle because his because the krell and the goth ganged up on him yep mm-hmm. and uh he's like oh that's weird did we do that that's fucked up <laughs> and i think there's another czarwood interaction but connor goes to bed he has a dream ballet uh <laughs> But he knows it's a dream. It's not like a fake out dream or whatever. He knows it's a dream, but he's dreaming of like uh, creatures fighting in his room and destroying his shit. It doesn't make any sense and doesn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> but um, he wakes up and he's like, I got to give the deck back to Mr. Zarwid. But he sees that the deck has gone from his room. And when he goes downstairs, his friends are waiting for him. And he's like, we got to play more of this game. Hooked. And he's like, we got to give the deck back to Mr. Zarwid. And they're like, let's just play one more game. And he's like, all right. <laughs> So his friends basically gaslight him into being like, nothing bad happened because we played the game. That's all. That's all circumstance. We're just Sorry, are they like, are they not like shook by we 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 made a little card person become real? Doesn't like, impact them whatsoever. They're like, we got to play this game. They have totally uh, assumed that it was a shared hallucination at this point. With it's not spoken, okay, but cool. it's, but it's assumed that they they are like, well, this was just a a shared hallucination during the freak storm that destroyed our neighbor's house yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Emily draws the switch card. She's turned from goth to dragon. Then the dragon, I guess, shows up outside or something like that. Yeah, now they're actually hearing the dragon outside. Yeah. And they realize, okay, we really are creating problems in the real world by playing this game. But instead of, they, they don't know how to stop it. So the only thing that Connor can think of is he summons some uh, some soldiers. He gets a bad roll. Uh, they're yep. absolutely destroyed. He sends them to their to their pitiful death. He sends them to their pitiful death. They're they're lit of <laughs> flame and they run off into the distant horizon with flames on their bodies. Cool. This all sounds fucking sick, by the way. We're describing it better than it was presented to it us. It was not fun. It was it, honestly okay. So here's the whole thing. We're getting through the part where the book gets kind of interesting. This this is halfway through the book, and we have not left. Connor's home. Hmm. Besides to go to Mr. Zarwood's house briefly or to step outside and look at the neighbor's house, all of this is occurring. And I agree with you, Kevin. There is something fun about like the kind of radio play vibe that's happening here. Yeah, you could do it more subtly and more interesting. Yeah. But my problem with it is it's given up too early and the reveal isn't as interesting as it could have been. Like you could you could do a more slow roll type of thing where like you know, maybe these kids start acting like their characters in like school or something like that, or like they they, yeah. mm. they can't they can't give the game up or something like that. And then like the more they play and think about the game, the more like little weird supernatural stuff starts to happen. 
Yeah, it needed to be meted out a little bit. And to your point, Kevin, and I think this is a point of a lot of Goosebumps books that we have problems with. Nothing ever feels like it's happening because they're making decisions. Just It just sort of mm. feels like chaos is happening. Interesting. I love your idea of like, give them some power. Make something cool happen and make them be like, oh my God, I did that through the power of the cards. You know, like give them yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. I, I cast Bard's Charisma. Yes. And, and now, now I'm, I'm cool. very charming at school. Right. Uh, no, no. Have like a kid who's like, like, you know, he's like, my parents say my grades got to improve. And so he like pulls like a wizard card and he's like, oh, I'm an intelligent wizard. And like, maybe he gets an A on a test. And he's like, I actually knew this stuff. That's cool. Like, that's great. Like, you know, have have some sort of slow roll kind of thing like that. Right. But the problem is this book is like, we got to make sure there's enough room at the end for a lot of bullshit. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to write uh, one third of a book and then two thirds of other books uh, that are the same book and squeeze them all into one book's binding. <laughs> so they try to mitigate the dragon threat. Connor tries to roll all sixes. He fucks up. Uh, he tries to put all the cards back in the box. He remembered all the crazy shit ended after the dwarf escaped when they put all the cards back in the box. And uh, they're like, we got to get this to Mr. Zarwood because the dragon's destroying everything. Uh, so they put all the cards back in the box. There's a wizard card that looks like Mr. Zarwood. He puts it in his pocket because it doesn't get in the box for some reason. Uh, and they all rush over to Mr. Zarwood's house while witnessing the carnage all around them that they've caused from playing this game. Again, that sounds pretty fucking cool. It is somewhat cool. There are smashed cars and homes that are destroyed and people are gathering around in utter shock from this freak incident that occurred there is some cool but again i will remind you this is all occurring within their home we're talking about magical events and magical creatures and we barely see any of them we don't go anywhere cool we're about to have some of that but then we're about to spoil all the fun that comes along with that as well can i ask a dumb question is emily still a dragon so emily doesn't become a dragon her character in the story is a dragon but she never gets to manifest any dragon powers which is horseshit huh that sounds less satisfying that's what i'm talking about it 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 is all of these cool things with none of the cool visuals none of the cool powers i find myself wanting it to be cores of the black ring again yes yes i i I Mm. want it to be like you get powers but it is turning you evil Mm -hmm. horse of the black ring in hindsight pretty good it's kind of stuck with me as far as goosebumps books go yeah uh, so they get to zarwood's house they knock on the door he's not answering they they knock so hard the door opens they go inside it smells sharp sweet and spicy i guess he was making a japanese curry or something <laughs> <laughs> they hear some kind of chattering inside and there's just a monkey zarwood's just ha- he owns a monkey monkey and then everyone goes monkey <laughs> monkey just like uh, Dennis Hopper. Just like Koopa in the Mario yeah. Brothers movie. Yeah, monkey. Monkey. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's a really funny moment. <laughs> Zarwood's like, uh, hey man, what's up? And they're like, ah shit, Zarwood, we stole your magic cards and we want to give them back. And he's like, ah, well, is that why all the carnage has happened? And they're like, yeah, you're a wizard, aren't you? And he's like, well, now you know too much, so... Bobby Boo, and he throws the cards at them and they're transported inside of what? the game. He what? he throws the cards into the air and Connor has an existential moment where he where he feels and witnesses the moment of death. Yeah. Literally describes it as I'm dying, this is death. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's pretty metal. His brain comes out of his mouth. Cool. So they're isekai'd into uh be afraid. <laughs> 
This is his own book. This is his own story. So now we get to the to the actual, like you're saying, Chad. We get to the book where it's an where it's an actual book. Yes. They walk around for five seconds before a bunch of jekylls, which I guess are kobolds or something like that. Something, yeah. Sure. Uh, are are on the march, uh, trying to find them. They jump into some hay bales, but the hay bales are kind of wet. And there's some big purple bugs in them. Okay, this part. Made me so mad. It's a bad. It's bad. It's a bad part. The tension is supposed to be that they they assassins create into a hay bale and they're trying to <laughs> and they're trying to hide right. And so the idea being, if we stay very still in this hay bale, they won't find us. But they're itchy because it's hay. Uh, but they can't scratch the itch because if they scratch the itch, that would give up their hiding spot. But then he carries it further and it's like bugs purple bugs are crawling out and going in their mouths and in their shirts and they're pulling them out and examining them and talking in the bale of hay (laughs) but they're like we can't move if we move but but they are moving and i don't know what i'm supposed to be taking of this situation they eventually give up and just leave (laughs) and get caught they get caught anyway, and the the Jekylls hold them at spear point, and they're like, do you guys speak English? And the Jekylls absolutely speak English, which is really sure, funny. Uh-huh. They, they do like a chant later. Like, they absolutely speak English, but they don't speak, they don't respect these children enough to speak their, <laughs> to speak their own language to them. So they just haul these kids off to their leader, who's like wearing a he's like wearing a white fur suit, and he's great. And he's like, "Oh, we have a we have a test for figuring out uh, if you're spies or not." And Connor's like, "We're just kids. We're just kids." And he's like, "All right, all right, all right. Uh, you know, I understand that you're saying that. We're just going to put you through the test." He pours a big hot stinky drink for them. Hot stinky what? is a it's a stinky black sludge drink that smells like rotting meat, rotting fish, <laughs> and other assorted terrors. And he's like, "Drink this." And Connor's like, "Um, no. Also, why?" And the the Jekyll leader's like, "No, you're going to drink this." And he's like, "Well, what is it?" And he's like, "Oh, it's poison. If you're telling the truth, you won't die." <laughs> And then he asks, has anyone ever lived? And the wiz- and the, the wizard says, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we in this book that I read and forgot? <laughs> We're like page 60 out of 120 pages. Yes. So. Yeah. A bunch of dragon riders swoop down. Uh, they do cool, cool like cowboy like uh, tricks off of their dragon neck horse about things and they <laughs> slash a bunch of jekylls in half and the kids run because they don't know if the dragon riders are on their side or not yeah the dragon riders route the hell out of these jekylls dude they are routed as fuck they're broken it is a broken force <laughs> could scarcely be more routed <laughs> the, the 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 poison has been dropped to the ground and the kids flee into giant stalks big big corn stalks corn stalks and this is the oh, coolest just like back home this yeah. is yeah this is the coolest imagery in the book and it's it is i don't know how you build to this level of cool and then walk away from it as quickly as this book does yeah how do you not have more ideas after this so the so the the stalks begin unfurling and inside there are slender green hands that begin reaching Ooh. out of the stalks. And smooth green heads begin to emerge with no mouths, no faces. I guess they menace the kids. I don't know what actually happens to the kids. <laughs> uh, but they're like, oh no, stelks, they're going to capture us. And I'm like, they're, are they, they're connected to corn stalks, are they not? Like, uh-huh. how can they 
cause any problems. So they're they're being menaced by Stelks, and then in in like courier like serif <laughs> font at the bottom in all caps, it says, "You finish the story." What? And so at this point, I'm like, okay, what? bold bold choice. Uh, was this just a lead up to a give yourself goosebumps? That's, in that moment, I thought, did I accidentally begin reading a give yourself goosebumps? Are we going to loop back in and find out? Which could have been cool if it suddenly turned into yeah. a choose your own adventure, but it does not. But like, if, if, if it was a book about games, like ending it with a choose your own adventure style thing, like a like an interactive portion, mm-hmm. that would be kind of interesting and perhaps literary almost i dare to say but thinking about it one of the things about goosebumps was that you could put a goosebumps book on your summer reading list Mm. and they'd be like disappointed in you but it wasn't a problem (laughs) they couldn't say that wasn't a book it was a child it was a child loophole and we all abused it yeah but you you could not put a choose your own adventure book on your summer reading list. Like you could not get credit for a given. No, yeah, I, I ran into this many a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think incorporating that element into the book would disqualify you from claiming this book as a summer reading. Right, because like, it's really book. you really played a game. You didn't read a book. Yeah, even if it was just in the final chapter. Right, like, any sure. interactive element would muddy the waters there. Right, so like I can imagine that being cool as hell but not possible because of like the the scholastic can, book economy can, can you clear can you sorry can you clarify again that this is like it's not saying go to page so and so it is saying you finish the story it says you finish the story and then we flip to the next page and suddenly there's a new child named mark two new characters mark and amy they're like what? we're starting again it's start it feels like the start of the book my name is Blair to Blair, and that's my sister Amy. What? I was reading this book called Be Afraid. <laughs> and we get some deep physical descriptions of these children. We're finally given some some, uh, some clothes. <laughs> back, baby. He's back. He's on top of his game. And we get the descriptions of them. And uh, somehow this kid, Mark, has been reading this book. He's But he's mad because yeah. the stupid author ran out of stupid ideas. Uh, <laughs> he, he just exclaims it. Yep. Stupid Mark. It is probably the most self-aware uh, Goosebump book of all time. And then somehow Amy, his sister, is like, you idiot, there's a pack of cards in this book. I don't know how Mark missed that in the sleeve of the yeah. book. What's, what What in the name of Charlie Kaufman is going okay. on? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. If I pick up a, a dang, boring, crusty, dusty old book and I see a pack of cool playing cards, like a game oh, inside of it, I'm, sure. I'm playing the cards and throwing the book to the side. <laughs> I don't know how he missed this, but he missed it. They decide... He goes, oh, it's the game from in the book that I was just reading. The one I was just reading, yeah. I should play it like the kids in the book. Certainly there will be no curse that occurs. I mean, I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, if I find a pack of playing cards in a book, I'm playing it. I'm not pre- I'm not reading the book. So he plays it with his sister Amy, and of course they're sucked immediately into the game. And Mark, uh, who is later described as an observant reader, has a moment where he reads the literal description of the scene he just read in the book he was just reading moments before he was sucked into this world, does not know where they are. They're completely lost and does not realize that they are in the exact same place in a dangerous world that he just experienced in a book. Weird. They wander into the woods and they're captured by, a, a, I think, a, a I, Skrell? A I think it's a Krell. I think it is a Krell. Yeah. At first, the Krells are described 
as dwarven and kind of human-like, but this one is extremely animalistic. It has it has tusks, it has a pig nose, and it is seemingly uh, hunting these children to eat them in a, and cook them in a giant oven that it has. It has sure. a yellow wiener dog familiar with two sets of mouths. I love this. It's pretty cute. It's it's like a little wiggly worm. It's so happy when his owner captures children. <laughs> uh, so Mark and Amy are captured. They're dragged through the woods in a net. They're dragged to this creature's home where he's got an oven going and he's raking the coals. He's preparing to bake <laughs> the kids. And the dog's like skipping around and really happy. Uh, and like he has to take the kids out of the net, I guess, to bake them. Yeah, yeah, sure. You don't want to get that rope and twine in your food. It's gonna no. You ever thing. you when you cook something with some rope on it, you got to cut it afterwards. It's an old wet, yeah. greasy. But here's no. where Mark does something smart. He grabs the smart but cruel. Uh, he grabs the dog, uh, and he uh, and he holds it over the oven. And he's like, let us go or else I'm going to torch your fucking dog. Jesus. It's big uh, Return of the Jedi uh, dead Rancor energy. It makes me really sad. The Krell like immediately like holds its hands up and is like, all right, man, we're cool. He like backs off. Don't do anything crazy. Mark tells Amy to run and she does. And then he makes sure Amy has a good head start and he gently puts the dog down and then he runs <laughs> like the Krell's just like i get it i'm defeated i love this dog more than i want to eat you yeah i eat children but i also have pets that i love <laughs> 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 i can't hate it it's a it's a kind of bold scene with like some threatened animal abuse it's a pretty good moment honestly it makes me think that mark is not a, a stupid head yeah but again this is new characters these are new characters. As far as we know, the book has begun again. Yeah. And then he's about to run into the same cornfield with the Stelks in it, right? Well, hold on. So they do run into it. Okay. They run into yeah. this. They run into this, into this uh, Stelk field. Uh, when the Stelks are seemingly about to crawl out and get them, but it turns out to be our first three kids. So we are brought back to Connor, Emily, and Kyle, to which they they quickly... Uh, realize that they are, they have uh, Mark and Amy realize that they have stumbled into the book and are back with these three kids and they're like we left the cards that you know would have gotten us out of this world back in the real world we, we have to find the cards in this world because if we can find the cards to this game and I, I guess put them back in the box the game will end and all five of us will be sent back to I don't know, our two separate versions of Earth that we come from, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were, one was in a book reading about the other characters, but then now they're in a shared universe. Now they're in a okay, shared universe. Sure. So, so they, uh, they're like, well, we got to find the cards. So they begin to run, and then the creatures uh, show up again. I believe the, um, it's Krell this time. This time it's Krell. Uh, okay, this time it's Krells, and the Krells are chanting no mercy. They, they also determine that they have to find... The cards. Well, they can't find the cards. There are no cards around. Mm -hmm. They decide they have to find the the wizard. Oh, that's right. Yes. A wizard got them into this mess. A wizard can maybe get them out. Sure. So they laugh and they chant and they start singing, we're off to see the wizard when they're immediately captured by cells. <laughs> they have no... It, it's the most sharing one brain cell, the brain cell gets diluted <laughs> among five characters moment ever. They immediately meet each other and they become so stupid. They become so stupid. They're living in a hell world where you must be quiet and cunning to survive and they begin to sing show tunes together. Uh, and, they, and they are instantly caught. They're pushed to the edge of a cliff where they're going to be thrown off. It, it, then... 
suddenly Mark, the person who couldn't remember where he was uh, in the book that he had read uh, moments before being sucked into it, remembers uh-huh. a very, very small detail from earlier, which is that uh, Connor had dropped the wizard card that we mentioned earlier and picked yep. it up uh-huh. and put it in his front pocket. So they do have one card and he goes, Connor, give me the card. We'll tear it up and we'll, en- and we'll end this and grabs the card from Connor. It slips out of his hand, flies over the edge of the cliff. Mark jumps off of the cliff, grabs the card in midair, and as he's falling to his death, tears it up, and we're met with the message once again, you finish the story. What? What do you mean? Then the book starts again. I'm... (laughs) And this time, we have two characters, Brenda and Ross. (laughs) And they're reading this book, and... Ross is so pissed because, again, (laughs) it is self-aware. And he goes, this book is absolute bullshit. It's just, it's got no ending to it. He's telling me that I have to write my own ending. And they go, you know what? Fuck this. Brenda has the great idea. She's like, if you didn't like the end of the book, just take it back to the rum and shell you came from and uh, you got it from and 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 sell it back to him. Get your money back. And uh, Ross is like, you know what? I am going to do that. So he goes, he goes back to the old man who he bought the book from. Instead of getting his money back, though. The old man goes, hey, I've got this deck of cards if you'd like it. And he hands it to Ross. And Ross says, oh, thanks, Mr. Wardiz, and runs off. And we're left with that to sit with. Wait, what do you mean? I love that Mr. Zarwid changes his name to Mr. Wardiz, depending on, like, the area code he's in. He just scrambles the letters into different combinations? Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the book. That's the end of the book. I will say this. The book fucking sucks. But it it is kind of cool that seemingly there is a a trans-dimensional wizard who is just going around fucking kids up with his magical evil cards that he gives them. Yeah. The imagery in the book is actually pretty good when when it exists. Uh, And there are ideas in this book that are great. It probably would have made a kick-ass short story. It's just too much of it and too little thought. You know, the characters don't learn anything. They don't grow or change. That's the problem of this. There's great world building. There's great creatures. There's a great magic system and like cool, cool stuff. But it's never used to tell a competent story. When a character could have grown or changed or or like faced a problem. Instead, new characters were introduced, which is like the one thing you don't you don't want to do. And he does it three times. But, you know, we often talk about how whenever, like, a video game or a Game Boy is mentioned, we're immediately like, yeah, 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 <laughs> like, in a, in a Goosebumps <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it really jazzes us up. This was basically a whole book of that, but with nothing to hold it together. Like, there were dragons and wizards and knights and, like, fights oh on- my. and f- Yeah, and fights and cool shit. Ostensibly, none of it was described over cool, but, like, these visual elements did exist. So, like, I was like, oh, cool, a dwarf. Oh, cool, an elf. Oh, cool, like rolling dice oh cool the word role-playing game like (laughs) i I was like maybe that's enough like you know maybe if there was a book called like the haunted game boy i could just like get by (laughs) on hearing stuff about the game boy for the whole thing (laughs) we're we're given we're sold the false bill of goods that we will be able to read a book on summer vacation that it will be about D D and magic the gathering and and it will have a good time but no we do not yeah, there's. It sounds like there's some really missing use of the format. I guess the closest one is that part you mentioned, where like Mark realizes that. Well, I read Connor's story, so I know an action you did. So we're yeah. Is I I don't want to compare it to Run Lola Run or uh-huh. Edge of you know Edge of Tomorrow, where it's like uh-huh. I'm using what I gained from having seen the previous version to to get strong. Right. 
That sounds like it's about it. And that could be cool if he built the three stories together and then unfolded them again and we got back mm. to the beginning. But instead, we're just given the Twilight Zone ending, which to your point, Kevin, if this were a short story, if he had cut like, I don't know, 50% of this out and just gave me this as like a little novella with, with maybe another story or two in, in it, I would have been yeah. satisfied. But as a whole, as a 120-page book, no thank you. If uh, if if Mark and Amy was like had been interspersed, if we had like trusted the audience enough to understand that now this chapter is a perspective shift, yeah, and, and like it may be confusing now, but it will make sense later. Right. And you gently introduce the idea of there is another set of characters that is reading the book that you are reading. Yeah. That would actually be really cool, but it would be high concept and confusing and probably difficult to pitch to Scholastic as a children's book. Right. Especially for, you know, the least engaged of readers. Oh, I'm seeing so many, so many notes from an executive, like, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah, that's that's wild. It, it's frustrating, I think. I don't think this is actually the most terrible book, but the fact mm. that it has imagery and subject matter that i enjoy that's not presented in a way that reminds me of why i like those things that's what makes this book hurt for yes me. yeah 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 we were so close to getting a book that i think child me and adult me could agree on would be pretty cool it's just we didn't and we fell so short of that that's where the pain is coming it hurts from. even more yeah as you guys are describing it it sounds like what would be one of my favorite goosebump books ever well it could have been <laughs> i think if it was there were a lot of things. If you had cut down the Jumanji portion in the beginning um, the, <laughs> yeah. by maybe a third or maybe even a half, uh, mm. got us to the fantasy world quicker because that's where all your cool stuff is. You've done the heavy yeah. lifting. You've built the, the world, right? Yeah, those are those are really two different books. Like a book where like some subtle things are happening because a game is being played, that has to be its own book. Right. But a book where they actually go in the thing and it's really overt and it's like a scary fantasy adventure that also yeah. feels like its own book. I don't think those two ideas are compatible at all. Right. Yeah, I, th I agree. And it, and the two halves of the book do not feel compatible and you end up going back to it and you have to keep going back to the worst part of the book twice yeah. in this book <laughs> yeah. and you never get the satisfaction of, of, of concluding the best part of the book. You just keep getting you. It's it's so frustrating. And Connor never becomes the evil king. Like the the most insulting part of this whole thing is there is never any physical change that happens to these kids mm. because they play the game. Right. They're only sent into the game and they're not sent into the game as their characters. If the if like Kyle and uh, and Connor encountered a dragon and they're like we can't find Emily and they encounter a dragon they're like wait Emily is the dragon. Like that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We lost her or something. And yeah. Connor, yeah. Connor claims to be the king of evil at the beginning of the book. And if he had thrown that guy's dog pet into the oven and oh, became the king man. of evil, yeah, he betrays the party and stuff. That'd been so cool. That would have been awesome. Do you guys remember the Adventure Time episode where Finn becomes the Goblin King? I I know I do not remember that one. I don't. Okay, it's an early Adventure Time episode. It's great, but like uh, Finn. Finn becomes the king of the goblins because uh, he doesn't want to make them feel bad. But becoming a king does not jive with his lifestyle at all. Uh -huh. Sure. And I think you could do a horror like a twist on that if like, you know, if he really was the evil king. Like, yeah, make him make him like so he presides over like, you know, a big table full of food, but it's all gross. And they're all like, eat, king, eat. You are the king of evil. Eat our evil food. Like you could do tons of stuff with like being an evil king sucks. You could do something with uh 
<laughs> with Kyle, who's tall and and like uh and like cool and muscular in real life. He's got to sleep in like a little like goblin cave. Uh, yeah, that's... he's he's a, just a Corel, so he's a little knife dwarf, and like <laughs> he's got he's got to come to terms with being short and having like animal features all over him and stuff. That could be like, cool. Like like you could do a whole thing with that. Like there's so much here. It's just. I don't know. Maybe they only had a week to write it. Like, maybe. I don't want to be too mean. Sure. We're, we're so, every one of these episodes, we're like, I don't know. Maybe they were going through some shit. I don't know. <laughs> when it's RL, I can be like, he didn't care. Uh, when it's a ghostwriter, I have to imagine they were at least excited about it to start with. And mm-hmm, then they were slowly yeah. beaten, beaten down over time. Yeah. So that's, um, that, uh, that's, that's be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah. It's, it's useless. Ultimately, a useless piece of, <laughs> of writing. <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, I really appreciate you guys pulling me back from the Shadow Realm, which totally was the thing. Yeah. And re- reminding me who I am and what this story was. I think you did a great job of it. Uh, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we could save you from that hit on your head you received right before this episode. Chad. Thank you. Uh, Chad, if people want to help cover your extensive medical bills for all your head trauma, what would be a way to, for them to help us out with It's that? a great question, Kevin. Even even amidst all my, my brain fogginess, my scramblies, I can remember that uh, you can support this show and get access to a bunch of bonus episodes we do every month and our exclusive Discord, the very cool community, a bunch of other red stuff by going to patreon.com slash goosebuds. It is uh, you all who support the show uh, with your pledges that keep the lights on and keep us going through the series. Uh, it's patreon.com slash goosebuds. <laughs> and maybe you're a longtime listener, but you're like, I don't have any money. I don't even have a dollar. There are plenty of ways to support us by uh, by doing stuff that doesn't cost nothing. You can retweet us on Twitter. We, we tweet out all our episodes. You can follow our YouTube uh, account and leave us a nice comment uh, on our videos. You can go to iTunes and you can leave us a review. Yeah, uh, you can, um, uh, 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 let's call it better. You can send us a nice email. You can, you can, you can email us at, yeah, goosebuds at gmail.com, um, and, and just spread the word of mouth for the show. We're, I think the best way you can support us, uh, that is often overlooked, doesn't even really require a computer. You can just tell a friend the next time they say, hey, I'm looking for a good podcast, or maybe unprompted, you can tell a friend, hey, uh, you should listen to this podcast. It's called Goosebuds, and it's got some guys that really like talking about some stuff alike. That would be really helpful. It's actually the most helpful thing you can do. I think a lot of people do not. They're like, ah, no one listens to what I have to say. If someone I know that I like tells me that they like something, I am more likely to check that out than any other thing that happens in my life. I, if I yeah, see a random yeah. show, I will not check it out. But if my friend tells me it's cool, I'll probably check it out. So please do that. It is extremely helpful. Yeah, and if you found this podcast because some some friend of yours recommended it, uh, let us know. Send us an email about it or something. And tell that know. friend, thanks. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Keep doing that. Keep telling other people about that stuff. Uh, I think that's been an episode of Goosebuds. Sounds like it. I think we butted. Uh, guys, we'll uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll, we'll see you next time. All right, Chad, let's get you to the hospital. Yeah, please. I love you, boys. I love you, too. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. This episode of Goosebuds is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters. 
especially those in the Book of Names. The Book of Names. Starting with Stefan Jive Turkey Kuwabara. Hollis Hornbeak. Low Belly Hate Me. Cameron Murphy Audio. Michael McDowell. Hey, Josh Rob. Mickey C. Nathan Dolezal. Buddy Morrill. Allocade. Mel Dipson. Afsheen. Brian Wells. Zentacles. Stealth Bates. Robert Moon. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keady. Calf. Peace Shop. <laughs> Adrian Roses. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. Jar Jar Slinks. Chosen One pledges his cadre of musketeers to House Kevin. A whole cadre. An early lead for House Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Do they reset every month? Is that what happens? Oh, uh, <laughs> Levi Than. Up and Champ. Jonas Engman. Carl. Anthony Mulberry. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. That'll be the real decider when they weigh in and pledge. They're a nonprofit. They can't pick. They're like <laughs> they Sweden. Can't, they're not allowed to pledge. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Brooke X. Jesus Christ. Christian Van Skiver. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hobgood. Zach Connor. Patreon underscore donator, comma, yo. Joe Spooky Digital Ghost, Tierney. Tom Whittem. Alicia Grafe. Andrew Jadzik encourages everyone to watch Joe Para Talks with you, especially Kevin. The Fall Drive episode is lovely. I may have added something there. <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's not okay. Lord Cornwallis. Carson Birkenbean. Burf. E.P. Tevin Ticklebean doesn't trust dragons or any other wealth hoarders. Smart. Are Ooh. dragons the 1%? Yeah. <laughs> In many ways, yes. Sean Minogue. Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it. Luke LaFountain. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. John Barber. Jonas Blatterman. Sarah Kemp. Tanya Turtle. Juan Jalapeno. Paul Grasso. Joe Regular Name Scott. Keith Halcro. Timothy Mistolakis. Clay McCarty. Alex Moon. The Robotic Dog. Parker Lee. Ham underscore Boat. Raymond Hernandez. Lemily. The Crow Fens, but Hibernal. Matthew Sutton. Vincent Modica. Luke Knoodles. Jeffrey Owen Coy. Hugh Bolin. Zambambino. Kelsey Kinnaman. Russell Kasberg. Javier Jimenez. Chris Prutrakis. Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Brendan Arafin. Dungeon Kappa. MC Hamster pledges his gills to Kevin. Fuck. MC Hamster, I was critical of the gills before, but they've been working out for us. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Weir. Limp Duck. Stinklitch. Nathan Remick. Need more kimchi. Alan G. Jessam. Tobias Clark. Reed Steubendike. Joey Evans. Andre Villanueva. Carewise Gamgee. Swaggy Yellow Squire wants you to know that I love you all. If anybody wants hugs, HMU. That means hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the hugs. Thank you for the translation, Kevin. Cameron Hansen. Estamena, Lord of Paul's Pants. Chris pledges his spectral sleepwear erection and blade to Paul. And blade. And blade. Paul Nelson. That was the, the, the middle part was... Uh, yeah, What's the pledge? get it. Generally depressing. The Deadly Bulb. Ben Bohan. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb! Anthony will be running Space Kings at San Japan <gasps> in Texas over Labor Day weekend. Heck yeah. yeah! Yeah! May the cards be in your favor. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. 
David Gray, Jonas Evan Voldson, Calamity Carl, Germ Juice, Bryce Diury, Matthew Bertato, Nick Johnson, Carbson, I am Cornholio, I need PP for my bunghole, Stephen Day, Boney, Dr. Diarrhea, some of Chad's bird friends, we pledge our talons and sharpened beaks to Chad. Yeah, your superiority. You can keep the bone mouths, I don't care. The bone <laughs> I think everybody's a bone mouth. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god, I never thought about that. Bone lips. You can keep the bone lips. Nicholas Maloney. Ryan Carroll. Jeremy Bowser. Burgers Crunchy PB. Yes, it is still edible. Do not check the expiration date. Never check the expiration date. That's a that's a life hack. Yeah. Nothing can hurt you. <laughs> if you don't know it, it can't hurt you. Mind yeah. over matter. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee. Ninja Breadman. Dr. Egg Drop Soupman. Thomas Jancis. Megan McCormick Mason. Peanut Berg, level 69. Lucretia McEvil. Mutant Astronaut. Helodicus Frenchlin. Aaron Lord. Henry Torbert. Dr. Chocula. Adam Knapp. Moon Juice. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. Chick. Hood Lemon. SSJ Trogdor. Calum. Mr. Misfire West. Mandy Nasty. Llama Lad. Skeletoran. Yoplin. Philip Reynolds. Chicago Frank returns. <sighs> Nape G. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Ryan R. Davis. Scott Wabel. Mr. Unimportant pledges his fake doctorate to whoever calls dibs. Dibs. I don't uh, care. He's so good at calling dibs. It's just paper. <laughs> I don't care. He is good at dibs, though. That's why, that's why he gets so many pledges. I want to hate him, but he's great at dibs. Rocco. Josh Howell pledges his <gasps> shield and zealotry to Paul because he met him first. Also, because go birds. There's your air superiority. That's right, baby. We will peck you out of the sky. Evan Bowen. Chris. <sighs> <Okay. laughs> Donzig versus Sean Astin. The battle for Paulie Shore's soul begins now. <laughs> don't even understand what that's referencing every time, but I like it. Nope. I feel like it didn't used to be capitalized. Yeah. Greg Musto. Soggy Newspapers. Chris Kulik. Dakota Kemp. John W. Saturn Video. Hi, first time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Kiwi of Lurve. Serial Killer X. Wade Norcross. Hilda B. Kevin, your escaped monkeys are watching you and your monkey shines. <gasps> Ugh. <laughs> Benjamin Luther. Sira Sin. Ali Sutz. Kate the Great. Mike Hart. Dennis Wright. Jover the Moon. Edgar's Crassus. Cameron Gansevold. Cassandra Harris. Gulliver. Matt Scepter. Greg Gervasi. A.K. Vitizen. Dakota Gipper. Paul Spiner gets a misdemeanor for slapping a senior tonight at 11. Ugh. Paul. Paul. I, I, my peener has a mind of its own. I can't control it. <laughs> That's true. It calls dips. Anthony Rodriguez. B. B. That's you. That's B. 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 That last name was my favorite. That's why I said it over you. Soap. Big Nick Lane. Kira and Brian are big fans. Jeff Webb is still a big baby, but we both sincerely appreciate your well wishes. Alpaca acquaintance pledges their wool to Paul. Make <gasps> socks, not war. Aww. Oh, that's a comfy oh, war. Yeah. The blade of the goblin grater is pledged to robot voice. Chad Quant. Yeah, wow. we, got the, we got the ground. We got the little mines and the tunnels. Wow. Chiraku, the thing that goes doink in the anime. Blake, bad time having Kevin. Dan Antonio. After some soul searching, I pledge my spear to Archmage Paul. Wow, I didn't know I'd become an Archmage. Sick. 
Good for you. Thanks, man. Spencer Y. James Stavernos. The Arndir. CM. Farah. Official Goosebuds Chronicler and Ledgerman. I, I think there's no other name attached to it. It's just the title. <laughs> I gave them that. I don't remember where. I think I did it on the Discord or something. Yeah, that's right. You didn't consult with us, but it's fine. It's already on paper. Jesse. Chris Curto. Cole Gleason. Tan, your hide. Matthew Pipes. Jesse Boggs. Michael Malloy. Grab Comics. Kyle O'Neill. Ghost Bitch. <laughs> Robert Holden. Goon Cahoots. Adam Brundell. Wunderskin. Anthony Stoker. Dog Lips underscore Kajoyan. Gunner Toland. Brony Danza. Sorry, Brony underscore Danza. Thank you. Brandon Nichols. Angelo Edward Longton Santone pledges the holy blade of justice to Paul. Ah, Smellities. Max. Zendane. Funny. Paul Sentient My Buddy Doll. <laughs> Her, aka Cyberbully. <sighs> Crank too high voltage. Welcome to the Book of Names, Blarbin. Your name is written blood, Lumo Nuva. Welcome, Brian Yudith. All will remember forever, Logan Kilgus. The book glows as I write in Boss Ferratu. <laughs> <laughs> when welcome to Cameron Reynolds. Thank you all very, very much. We love you all. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for the blades. <laughs>